Everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have Sumed. Sumed, um, he was my lab partner my freshman year of physics um, at Texas A&M University. So, Sumed, how, how do you say your last name, actually? I, I don't want to mess it up. It's uh, Tadamedi, just the way it sounds. Tadamedi. All right, well, appreciate you, have, like, you being on today. Yeah, dude, the honor is all mine. I guess since it's Thanksgiving in a couple days, do you have any Thanksgiving plans? Yeah, so I guess for people who are listening, it's still Tuesday and I'm still in College Station finishing up some last minute work, but um, I'm going to go home and I probably won't be back in College Station until the start of next semester. I only have one final, um, but just going to go home and spend time with my parents and my little sister and uh, be back in the SCO, Frisco, um, so I'm looking forward to it. Like, do they actually call that the SCO or did you just make that one up? <laughs> Um, I, I've made it up, I think, but it's definitely caught some steam in the past two or three years in the, in the Frisco vocabulary. There you go. Yeah. Kind of same for me. I'll be back for the LSU game, but, um, I, I mean, I only have one final, but I'm just still going back for a little bit. I don't want to (laughs) leave. Yeah. I couldn't blame you. It's definitely, it's nice being back home though. This is the first time that I've been home all semester. So it's nice to see my parents and, we have a dog here. Like, they, it's, it's like not our dog, but my parents are uh, fostering a dog a little bit, just watching over. Um, so it's fun to come back to that. Yeah, I couldn't blame you. Like I said, um, this is the first semester that I haven't been home either, just because of the pandemic and whatnot. I would hate to take it back to my parents. So I pretty much just stayed here. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I guess, you know, with the pandemic, did you end up. Like back in back in the spring, did you end up going home and, and finishing out spring semester there? Or did you did you kind of go back and forth or? Yeah, I was uh, pretty much in Frisco or Dallas um, from spring break, and then I also interned in Dallas, so I was in Dallas throughout the summer too. Yeah, where'd you intern? So I interned at a mid tier defense contractor as a software engineer. Um, its name is Leonardo DRS, and they're kind of owned by a big Italian company um, called Leonardo, and I worked on their embedded software team. So I did a lot of hardware, software, communication. Um, it was a cool time. We worked on thermal scopes, so pretty much what you see in like Call of Duty and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it was a really niche market, but it was very interesting. Did you feel like you were kind of learning a lot on the spot or did you feel like A&M taught you well or kind of a mix? Um, so the programming languages that I predominantly used um, were XAML and C Sharp and those are not taught at A&M. So pretty much the first week, week and a half at the internship, it was pretty much me finding online tutorials and all that kind of stuff. I used LinkedIn Learning actually because it's free for A&M students. Um, to kind of learn C-sharp and XAML and um, learn application development because that's what I pretty much did as I made um, applications for Windows and C-sharp is like Microsoft's proprietary competitor to Java. So um, kind of became really experienced in um, building PC applications. So think of like Spotify and all that kind of stuff or Steam. Um, They run a lot on C-sharp. So it was really interesting. So you're majoring in computer science, right? Computer engineering. So what is the difference between the two? 
Yeah, so for computer engineering, you take a lot of, um, I won't say a lot, but you take a handful of electrical engineering classes. So you take your typical like circuit analysis, like I'm sure you took 215, so we have 214. Um, you take digital design, 248, signals and systems, 314, electronics, uh, pretty much all the stuff that um, you could need if you're trying to work with like uh, processors or graphics cards, things like that. Um, but I guess throughout my academic career, I chose to sway away from all that kind of stuff. Um, so I want to solely focus on software now as opposed to like hardware, which is what I wanted to focus on going into sophomore year. Um, so I guess computer engineering really allowed me to have uh, an exposure to both sides of like technology. Um, and so at the end of the day, I think I steer towards more of the software side as opposed to the hardware side. So you can kind of consider me a closet comp side major because I'm going to tailor all of my electives to be sort of on the comp side side of things. Um, but very fortunate that it allows me the, the liberty to do uh, that, kind of, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I was going to say too, that type of like what you're learning is really applicable to the future with everything becoming like, technology focused and even if you had gone like the other way around like it's you still would have had like a pretty wide like variety of options to choose from i feel yeah definitely um there's some people who found their liking to be on the hardware side of things and end up go working for like intel or amd and do like processors um and there's people who find software and go and they're up working for like Amazon or something that offers software as a service. Um, so it's just, I guess, what people like at the end of the day. Um, there's no right or wrong option. It's just, um, and some people go into like network engineering and they work with satellites that work for AT&T and T-Mobile and things like that. Um, so it, I guess it offers you a lot of uh, flexibility in your career paths. Have you ever watched Black Mirror before? Yeah, I've seen like an episode or two, um, but I'm not really a passionate or religious watcher. Dude, because I, I ask because I feel like like everything in Black Mirror is kind of how the future of technology affects like society and how we live. And a lot of the ideas, some of them are pretty far-fetched, but other ideas are pretty much like, I feel they could honestly be achieved in our lifetime. And so... Um, I don't know. I guess you'd probably be at the forefront of that technology movement. I think that'd be pretty cool, but also scary because anything created could always be used for like bad purposes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if you've taken ethics so far, but in ethics, we definitely talk about the kind of the morality of technology and how it can be used in the wrong way. For example, we talk about like guns. Guns can be used like for the right way, I guess, if you want to protect yourself, or they can also be used for malicious purposes. Um, so, like, we talk about, like, where the morality lies. Is it the person shooting the gun, or is the gun itself what is uh, to be blamed on? Um, definitely not my favorite class, but something you can definitely take forward with you. No, dude, I'm taking like I'm taking ethics right now, and I'm not even going to lie. It's, it's kind of a hard class, because everything that we learn in that class, it's not like you have a formula and you plug it in somewhere, right? It's a, lot, it's a lot of memorization, but it's a lot of like reading comprehension, I feel. I'm just not good at that. 
That's definitely a different way of thinking, right? Where I guess that engineers were trained to follow some sort of method. Um, you get the information from the question, you pick your formula, you plug and chug, you get your answer. Um, as opposed to writing down what what like ethical morality happened when the triple seven or not the triple sevens, the seven three sevens crashed. Um, so definitely a more I guess like a more logic-based class in the sense that you're not given a straightforward path to think about something. But uh, interesting, but I think it's uh, it could be implemented into other classes, like your intro to engineering classes, which is what they're doing. So I think uh, definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, no, I definitely thought going into ethics that everything would be intuitive and that I would know the answer just by looking at the choices, but there's so many different ways of looking at things um, and there's like you said with the 737s and like the whistleblowers and just all of that I feel like if I was in that situation I wouldn't know what to do because I don't want to lose my job but I also don't want people to be at risk so there's a fine line I feel but also not really yeah dude you're about to be a, I think a management intern at a aerospace company so you better watch out <laughs> Uh, we will we will get into that very soon. Um, but I also wanted to ask you, um, when you were choosing just engineering going into college, what influenced you to do that? Um, I know at least your dad has an engineering background, but I don't know like if that played a part in you deciding. Yeah, my dad works for Northrop Grumman, um, which is another aviation company. Um, but I went to actually a science and engineering magnet school. Uh, from ninth to twelfth grade, so I took AP Calculus freshman year. If that means anything to the rigor of the school that I went to, um, so really I knew I wanted to be an engineer from the time I could memorize the quadratic formula. Um, but to be quite frank, I almost failed AP Calculus in uh, high school. So um, if anything, I went from sucking at coding to now getting paid to do uh, do you know programming um, so I guess you can never just take anything for granted um, which just shows the world works in weird ways dang so did you ever have any doubt of switching out of engineering like even when you got here freshman year um, dude, I had you as a lab partner and you pretty much carried me all throughout physics. So I think I was in good shape to continue to be an engineer. <laughs> I honestly feel like it, it goes both ways. I, I definitely could not have done or made it through engineering without any help or like any support because I don't know so much of it as, as much as they talk about, like you got to like take your test by yourself or like do your quizzes by yourself. Like engineering is collaborative and I don't think in any project really in the real world you're ever going to be alone 100% of the time. Yeah, obviously, you know, you definitely found your support system, I guess, through free. And then I know you have your like your own mean group or like friend group that you always study with. Um, and I've definitely found my support system with the people I hang around with. Um, so there's definitely a collaborative thing. But actually, throughout my interviews, when I've been interviewing for these software jobs, um, the biggest contrast I like to draw is that in school, we're taught to program by, um, in most programming classes, at least more sophomore and junior level programming classes. But in the workplace, you never program by yourself because there's always pair programming or code reviews. Um, so it's kind of 
uh, I don't know. It seems just like it's fostering some sort of non-practical practice when you are saying that you have to code by yourself because we have to uphold the Aggie Honor Code and be academically honest. But you're not going to ever do that in the real world. Um, so it's definitely some sort of uh, habit that we have to get out of in, in school. So, yeah, definitely learn how to program with other people. Oh, for sure. Um, and also, are your parents uh, immigrants to the United States? Yeah, so my dad came here when I was six months old. Um, he, got, he started out in Sprint, now the defunct Sprint. And then I came over here when I was two. I came over here with my mom when I was two years old. And we've lived in the DFW Metroplex ever since. Um, yeah, so they were immigrants. I'm sure your family has a similar background coming over here to do STEM jobs. Um, so yeah, we were immigrants. Uh, fortunate enough to kind of live in the better parts of Dallas. Uh, lived in like the typical... Texan suburbs my whole life, uh, much like Katie. So uh, I guess it's been both good and bad. But one thing is definitely I had embedded in myself is that I think it's some sort of Asian mindset where it's like academics is first. Like you don't do school. I mean, you don't do like sports and all that kind of stuff. It's it's just school. I, I And I think it's rooted in like the Asian backgrounds, the Asian traditions almost where – the most important thing is school um, as opposed to like all these extracurricular activities. And I think it makes sense too, because like when my parents had to move over here, they had to take this like super difficult exam and they're able to beat the odds because of their academics and not because of sports or extracurriculars. So at least like when I was growing up, a lot of focus was like, yeah, you're doing all these other things, but like at the end of the day, if your academics aren't holding up, like you've got to sacrifice those things because school is like the most important. Right. It makes sense. So even if you look at like how immigration is based out of from these Asian countries, you can only get a H like a visa if you're coming here to study at a university or if you have a well-paying job. And those typically go to those who are better at school um, and really who like put in the time to like, you know, learn all these stuffs in college. Um, so I think it's really rooted in like the immigration policies too, um, which is very interesting now that I think about it. Does your mom have like an engineering background or is she doing something else? So my mom has her master's in English and psychology back. She went to Usmania University in India. Both my parents did. They both went to Usmania University. Um, but my mom is stays at home now. She does not work. Um, but I guess she's the total opposite of engineering. She studied English and psychology. So uh, completely opposite of you and me. Yeah. I guess since you attended such a like rigorous like math and science school, like high school, um, I guess going into it, did you have an option of going to like, I guess a normal high school? I don't know too much about like, the school you went to, but I know like a school like TAMS, for example, um, very similar is like, I feel like a lot of people go into some sort of STEM, but like for you, um, did you have an option of going to like a public high school? Yeah. So my school was kind of like TAMS, but it wasn't a boarding school. Um, but yeah, I did have an option to go to a regular public school, like a first school. 
Um, in retrospect, do I think that I could have the same academic experience at a regular school as it did at my school? Absolutely. You just have to choose to take the AP classes. Um, but in addition, I could go to like football games on Friday nights. I could watch the band play. I probably would have been in band. Um, but really what took a toll on me a lot in high school was the commute time. So my school was in like, like Oak Cliff, which is not the nicest part of Dallas. So I had to take the DART train, which is uh, the local like public transport in Dallas. Um, and my one-way commute was about an hour and a half. So I would commute hour and a half, go to school for around eight hours, commute an hour and a half back. Um, pretty much would be drained to do homework or study that much. So I wasn't the greatest student in high school. Um, but I did, you know, I took like 22 AP classes or something. So I did good enough to get into all the schools I applied to for college. Um, but would I sacrifice all that to go to a regular high school? Absolutely. Um, I don't think it was worth the three hours of commute on public transport every day. And your parents didn't like follow, like follow you to like go to the transport, right? You're kind of just on your own. So my dad would drop me at the train station, but then I took the dark train by myself. It wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. It was just, I would sleep often on the dark train. It was like an hour and a half nap. Um, so it wasn't that bad. A lot of people on the dark train are like your typical people who work in like downtown Dallas. So there was like a lot of people wearing suit and ties. Um, you know, you're like your typical bankers and engineers and consultants. Um, so it wasn't like your typical, like urban, I'm saying typical a lot. It wasn't your urban, your stereotypical urban setting. Still, this is really different than how I grew up. I kind of grew up just riding that yellow bus to school. School was probably 10 minutes away. <laughs> Doing all of that stuff. Never being exposed to like, that sounds like a city life to me. Like as a high schooler, like that was very much how I envisioned like corporate world to be is like taking public transit, while, like sitting around all these other people. Yeah, actually my, one of my applied Texas essays was about the different people I'd see on the train and the contrast between their mannerisms and their socioeconomic classes. Um, I don't know how that got me into engineering school and not into the liberal arts program here, but it, I guess it, it worked its way uh, to the admissions people at AM to get in. I guess, you know, since your parents were immigrants and like my parents were immigrants too, um, did you ever feel like they did stuff that you didn't agree with because they kind of were just taught by their parents to do this, but you were growing up around all these other people who might not have immigrant parents and, and you see the way they're raised. Um, was there anything that they did that, or maybe in the moment you felt like you didn't like, but now looking back on it, you're like, oh, I see why they did that. Yeah, uh, that's actually a really good question. Um, and I would go back and kind of place it all on academics. Like, I went to this thing called, <laughs> it's so weird saying it, it was called, I forgot what it's called, it's like Sunray Academy or something like that, um, and people in the Indian community would just call it Chinese math, um, and it was like this typical Sunday school, it'd be a lot of like Asian people, um, and it'd be Asian people and Indian people, and it was like Sunday math tutoring that they like ask like teachers to come in and like tutor these extra kids. Um, 
I, I have a feeling you know what I'm talking about, Loki. But it was like your Kumon kind of thing, but uh, maybe like a ghetto Kumon run by the Asian committee, uh, community. But uh, definitely emphasis on education where my neighbors would be going out. They would be playing, you know, 18-beat-team basketball um, and playing select soccer on FC Dallas. And I was going to math tutoring. Um, but now... You know, you and I are both studying in a top 10 public engineering school. And not to say that it's like an MIT or anything, but it definitely has its own merits, um, especially in industry, um, as I'm sure you know, being a part of the SEC. Um, but I guess I'm, you know, I'm thankful for that now because looking back at it, you see the schools that they're going to and the schools that we're going to, uh, the sort of companies we're getting into, um, it's just paying off. Yeah, I agree. And like, we didn't have like the Sunray thing, but Kumon, like that was a huge part of my childhood for probably like three years where I used to dread, like they would always time us to see how quick we could do like 20, 30, 40 problems. And it's just literally like fast facts and multiplication. And now like, if I saw those, like I would be great at it. But back then I was like, this is so pointless. I don't like it. Like my parents allowed me to do like baseball and like band um, so I was kind of in this weird circle of like, I have my like baseball lifestyle and then I have my academic side and I really didn't like it, but I guess a lot of my habits I built academically were from my parents forcing me <laughs> to like, you know, remain, I guess, academically focused. Yeah, I completely understand. Um, it's kind of odd that you played baseball. I couldn't really imagine you playing baseball, but I know I remember freshman year we used to go to baseball games together. Um, but there's definitely things you can take out of sports too. Like, uh, I guess natural being being naturally extroverted, I think is something that you and I have. But a lot of stereotypical, like your typical like American high schooler, I think it learns a lot of, you know, people skills from being in sport. Um, just like how to manage a team or how to be a part of a team, as opposed to your typical like Asian engineer who doesn't do much outside of school um, is it really comprehensively built um, so you definitely need both aspects and especially in a country like America um, where if you're on the job hunt to be honest what matters more is that first impression you make in that first conversation and if you can really walk and talk to a recruiter with a confident tone because um, honestly I've seen people with like 3.8s and 3.7s and 3.9s not get the offers that you and I have had. Um, so you definitely have to be comprehensive. And I think that goes, at least in the college realm, into what type of organizations you're in, what type of leadership roles you have. Um, quite honestly, how your English sounds too, is a part of it too. No, for sure. And there's so much emphasis, I guess, placed on technical skills, like as we're growing up, that we don't realize that soft, soft skills are so important. And... I guess this this funnels perfectly into I guess our, our the meat of this podcast, which is going to be about job searching and career fairs. And I love talking about this so much. I know you do too. Um, so I guess tell me about how freshman year Sumed. I don't know if you went to the career fair freshman year, but think about like the first time you went to the career fair versus like the most recent time, like in person. How how has that Sumed changed? Yeah, so I didn't go to career fair freshman year, um, but the first career fair I went to was 
I think the last one in Reed, so it was spring or fall of sophomore year, our sophomore year. Um, and I wore my nice suit and everything. It was such an oversized blazer, dude. I still remember wearing that. Um, but I remember like having my resume and one of my like relevant coursework was like engineering 111. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure the recruiters had no idea what Engineering 111 was. Um, but I think I went to every single career fair after that. Um, and quite honestly, I did not land my first interview until the spring career fair of my junior year. And it was with TI. And it was the only career uh, interview I got that career fair. Um, and so I guess persistency is key. Quite honestly, you don't know how to talk to a recruiter until you like eavesdrop on someone who's doing it right, or you go there um, and you actually witness it for the first time. Um, and so it was definitely worth being embarrassed the first couple of times I went to talk to uh, um, uh, the career fair. I clearly remember, um, it was, it was my sophomore year. I went to go talk to JP Morgan and it was for a software engineering role. And the guy was like, you have to be comfortable coding in this, uh, in this, uh, internship. He asked me, are you comfortable? And I went, yeah. And, um, and that was pretty much the end of conversation. Cause he <laughs> knew I didn't, I didn't even take data structures and algorithms at that point, uh, which is like the fundamental class for these coding interviews. Um, so he kind of knew that I was maybe trying to be a little clandestine there, but um, it eventually worked out, got my first interview there, got my, actually got two interviews. I got TI and Leonardo and I ended up getting an offer at Leonardo DRS at my, that first career fair. Um, and then this past career fair, I got, I think, I, I don't think I talked to many companies just because it was virtual, but this past career fair, I got my interview with City, which uh, eventually is what I where I'm going so definitely a fan of career fairs and I think a lot of people like to bash on career fairs just because maybe I think like 20% will get an interview from a company um, but you have to go and really like step by step build yourself as a candidate throughout those career fairs um, and it's de it definitely is intimidating and it's definitely disheartening once you don't get interviews and you're just told to apply online over and over again but um, I guess that's, in essence, just the tradition of a job search. It's never easy. That's why it feels so good when you finally have an offer. I completely agree with everything you said. And, like, my first time going to the career fair was, was freshman year, spring. And, like, very similar to you, probably wore clothes that didn't fit. Um, like stuttered so many times. I was super nervous. And I thought I was doing a great job of hiding it, but I was clearly not myself. Um, but fast forward, I mean, you and I are both very like extroverted people. I think we look at these career fairs not just like as an opportunity to land a job, but just to meet people in industry, just to meet people in general and learn from them. And it's so much fun because I love meeting people. I love hearing what people do. And um, it's kind of fun knowing that like, I'm not going to say like I have the most perfect personality, but I'm somebody who I, I'd like to know, I'd like to think that I can keep a conversation going, which is like a huge portion of career fair. Um, I think I realized too that you don't always have to be talking about professional stuff. You can just ask them about how their day's going, 
um, because I'm an SEC and we help run it, I'm able to ask them about like the food, like, oh, did you, <laughs> you like that lunch <laughs> or something like that. Um, but I've gotten a couple of interviews from Career Fair. I've definitely had my fair share of rejections, but I was really lucky to get um, like my Baker Hughes offer from there. And then um, I think last year with Samsung, even though it ended up not happening, I still like talked to them at Career Fair, which is great. But yeah, this year virtually was very, very interesting. I don't know, like, did you go both days? Yeah, I went uh, all three days, actually, thanks to AWS. Um, but yeah, I went uh, both days. I waited in line uh, for a handful of hours. I was probably watching YouTube or something. So I guess it was easy on my feet, but um, it was... Uh, I mean, there's both good and bad. It seemed like the interactions you had with the recruiters were more of an interview style interaction. So I spent, I know you were only supposed to spend like five minutes, but when I was talking to National Instruments or NI, I spent like 15, 20 minutes with the guy. And it was almost like that initial phone screen that you have. Um, so I guess while the quantity was lower, the quality was much better in my opinion. For sure. I had a similar experience where like, I was talking with a guy from L3 Harris and like, he's a great person. Uh, but he, he asked me about like, just what I was passionate about. And I was like, Oh wow. Like <laughs> I'm not ready for this. And if it, it was like a 25 minute conversation, but I mean, I got an interview from them, ended up not getting it. But at the same time, like you said, I felt like the quality of conversations were definitely a lot better. Yeah, dude, a lot of people don't understand that, being rejected by an overwhelming number of companies is just normal. Uh, no one told me that to get my first internship, I need to apply to more than 100 jobs, um, which I think I ended up applying to like 102 or something like that. So, um, but it's rejection is just the nature of the way. Um, and a lot of times you get rejected because your application or your resume wasn't even seen by an actual human being. It didn't have the buzzwords that the application tracking system uh, goes through and for those who don't know most of the time at these large corporations your resume is not read by a person it's read by some sort of software that literally parses your resume word by word and searches for specific keywords and a lot of times in the software field it'll be searching for programming languages or technical skills um, things like that it, it just won't be read by a human being um, so definitely, definitely know how to like hack the ATS. And that involves looking at like the job description and the preferred qualities and seeing what they're looking for. And they might say like, for example, some positions I'm applying or I applied for were like someone who knows like what lean is or like six Sigma and all this other stuff. And you have those in your resume and like, hopefully you actually have experience. You're not just putting it there just to have it. But, um, you know, you want to have those there to have a better shot of, I mean, that goes with tailoring your resume to a job, which I never understood until this year. Yeah, there's actually some uh, Google Chrome extensions that'll tell you what words to put in your resume that like have similar software to the application tracking system. So definitely, you got to learn how to hack the system. I think we're going into pro tips now, but uh, definitely a way of uh, giving yourself an edge up. Yeah. I always looked at in-person career fairs with the recruiter as like 
you don't ever want to approach the recruiter as a person above you, but just treat them as an equal. Um, I wouldn't say it's like flirting, but it's very much like that because you're trying to impress them, but you also don't want to talk too much. Like you want to learn from them and you want to show them that you two are like a good fit. <laughs> so I always saw it as like almost like dating a little bit where you're trying to get to know the other person. Yeah, I actually met my uh, hiring manager at DRS at the the social that's like the night before the career fair, um, which shout out to SEC, dude. One of my biggest regrets in college is not going out for the SEC. But um, I met him there and we just talked about like computer engineering because we both studied computer engineering. Um, and then I got an interview with them actually like six weeks after the career fair. Um, and then I got an offer like the next week. And then when summer hit, I was like, damn, this guy looks familiar. Oh, it's because it was the guy I met at that social, um, which was in Caulfield. Um, so definitely don't turn in a blind application is probably one of the biggest tips I've learned from guys who've gone through the process because you want to be more than just a resume or an application. So definitely go out to these socials or these career fairs or now a lot of companies are having zoom panels so they'll interview they'll like bring on like former interns and it'll be like a Q&A session so definitely go to one of those and really put a face onto your application as opposed to just your resume because then the the HR person who's in charge of that networking social will be more likely to recognize you and put you into the next round and that definitely goes along with like networking and referrals because that is a huge thing is like they'll look at people who apply but they're more willing to trust someone within the company and like that's why I love LinkedIn like LinkedIn is such a powerful tool I'm telling you you can meet anybody you want as long as you're willing to reach out to them and it's like super vulnerable because you're putting yourself out there. They probably like won't see it, but if they do see it and you start that conversation, like you just created an opportunity for yourself. Yeah, definitely. I love LinkedIn and I definitely see your liked posts on LinkedIn because they, they pull up on my uh, feed. But yeah, do not underestimate the power of referrals. I got an offer from Charles Schwab actually um, that I got through a referral from one of the buddies I know. Um, so definitely, definitely, uh, you know, ask for a referral. Even if it's like, I've watched like a YouTube video and there was like some cheeky YouTube video on how to ask people on LinkedIn for referrals because they both went to A&M or something like that. Um, so definitely also don't be embarrassed. Um, everyone on LinkedIn and everyone hiring knows how it feels to get rejected and they know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it because they probably did it too. Um, so it's honestly just helping one another, um, and, uh, at the end of the day, just don't, you know, don't be embarrassed. For sure. I've definitely had like a couple of awesome interactions on LinkedIn and it was just involving me like reaching out to people who are interning at companies that I really want to. Like I would, I had this, I have the spreadsheet still of people I've talked to and, like I might not have gotten the roles, but I was able to establish like connections with them and honestly just learn more about what they do. I think it's always cool hearing it from like an intern's perspective as opposed to full time because they're students just like us. And so um, don't be afraid to hop on to like a Zoom call with someone or schedule that because it like it can be really useful to you in the future. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that helps with that is joining a major specific 
organization or club. Um, you mean you were in free and you were in SEC and there's organizations like IEEE and I know mechanical engineering has like asked me or something like that, American Society of Mechanical Engineers. Um, so definitely join one of those um, so you can meet people who are in the same mindset as you. Um, so if one person knows a recruiter at Boeing, you can ask that person to hook you up or things like that. Um, to definitely, definitely join some sort of engineering specific organization. I love how this kind of was just like a little Victor and Sumed's tips for aspiring engineering majors. Well, I mean, what can we say? I think we both saw the worst that could happen and we both saw the best that can happen. Um, so, I mean, I was rejected from over a hundred companies. So definitely, definitely. I think you learn more from a rejection than you learn from a, a victory. So it just makes the victory sweeter too. Like I'm, I'm sure you remember, like even you've gotten off like multiple offers up to this point, like it still feels so rewarding when you get that offer. Like, Oh, my hard work paid off. Dude, I'm just happy that I don't have to go into winter break applying to jobs. Um, and I can just sit back and watch football all day. Um, but yeah, I guess look at you, you got like co-op and an internship, right? I did. So, yeah. yeah. Good for you. No, I'm, I'm super excited for that. Yeah, I'll be with uh, Honeywell in the spring. I'm actually not in their aerospace department. Um, Honeywell, the one that I'm working with, they have this department that focuses on like voice solutions. So like voice activated devices. Um, a lot of these like technologies that I'll be working with is used in like distribution centers um, to help, I guess, the process efficiency or whatever. Um, but that'll be really interesting. And honestly, like, I think a big part of it was I had done a project from a hackathon this past year, like this fall, where I made like a voice activated program. Um, super, super basic, but like it's still something that I guess a lot, not a lot of mechanical engineers do. Yeah, uh, there seems to be some sort of trend of non-comp sign majors going into software. And I think you've just fallen victim to that temptation. Um, with no, more power to you. Yeah, no, honestly, though, I was thinking about it. I was like, with mechanical engineering, like, most people will either choose, like, design um, or, like, coding. Like, that, that'll be, like, those two things are, like, the majority. And I don't, like, I love design. I love the creativity portion. But I definitely don't like the solid work side. I'd rather code. Like, coding is a lot more fun, in my opinion. Coding sucks, sucks a lot when you're starting at it. But once you sit down and kind of devote yourself to it, um, it, you, it really becomes, I guess, second nature. What is the saying? It's like, you need 10,000 hours of something to be good at. Um, and I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm good at coding right now, honestly. Um, but my internship this past summer where I sat down at a computer for nine to 10 hours, Monday through Thursday, grinding 40 hours a week on C sharp and XAML really, uh, helped me a lot. Um, and so I think it was a very rewarding experience. But actually, I think the hardest part of doing anything or learning anything is starting. And once you start, it's harder to stop uh, than stop after you started, uh, if that sentence makes any sense. But, yeah. Um, you know, you kind of bring up a good point, And I, I wanted to ask, you know, and this is a little bit switching gears, but what made you, I guess, more focused on, like, the career side of things because I feel like freshman year we're in this like idealized version of college we don't even think about that type of stuff but as you get older usually a flip switches so like I what, what was that flip for you 
Yeah, so I was in Flash for my freshman, sophomore, and part of my junior year, and I uh, got into Ace my junior year, and I think that was the flip. Uh, kind of being surrounded by engineers who aren't getting jobs at J.P. Morgan Chase, Amazon, Samsung, Dell, all these companies, um, and then really being surrounded by guys that you know study 80 hours a week and then apply to jobs after they're done studying. Um, and you've had that definitely. You've had that you know that environment since freshman year, since you were in free, which is also one of my regrets is not applying to free. Um, but I think that was the flip, was just finding friends who were also engineers um, who really took their academics and professional development really, really seriously. Yeah. That, I mean, I guess free was a good starting point for me, but like for me, that was SEC. And I feel like it's very similar to where like you have all these studs around you and some of these people are like your age, like as a sophomore, some of them are even freshmen getting these jobs. And I'm like, I don't want to be left out. Like I also want something to like contribute so that mindset it's you know surround yourself with the right group of people and, and like it goes far yeah i guess there's a reason we both share an office space together um but yeah it definitely goes to the estimate that you can tell who you are by knowing who your friends are um and like i'm sure you know people like you me uh you know other people in our physics groups bryce bryce has a full-time offer now um, so we've just all just grown. I think it also comes with just time. Um, you're obviously, you know, your freshman and your sophomore year is all about making it through college and really finding your foundation here. And then your junior or sophomore or junior and senior year are like, Hey, what am I going to do after college? Am I going to graduate school? And if you are, you start studying for those exams, or am I going to go into industry? In which case you start tailoring your resume and preparing for interviews and applying to jobs. Um, so it's also just typically a mindset. It's a part of growing up. Um, and it's also, I guess, a side effect of a changing friend group as well. Yeah. And you mentioned our physics, like, I guess, a little foursome. You forgot to mention Carson. But Carson, dude, Carson is, I don't know what his role is, but he's on the Formula One SAE team, which is, like, it's a huge thing for mechanical engineers. Um, I think they're, like, selected out of, like, a group of people, and they basically build this car for a competition but Carson's Carson's a stud I was lucky to be in a couple of project groups with him like last year and he he's definitely grown it's so cool seeing how all of us kind of like split like we didn't split up but like we've grown so much from that physics group (laughs) freshman year yeah I haven't talked to Carson in a long time um I've definitely seen him around Zach um I probably saw you every day too to be honest but uh once we all started being separated and quarantined i guess i lost communication with him um i talked to bryce a lot i spoke to bryce i guess an hour ago we were on a discord call together um and now i'm talking to you um i guess i need to start texting carson there you go um so i guess shifting a little bit away from engineering and all that i kind of wanted to ask you like what are some of your passions and and hobbies or anything new you're trying to pick up yeah so i am a huge, I won't say huge because my Sundays have been absolutely busy this semester, but I'm a huge Philadelphia Eagles uh, fan and a Dallas Mavericks fan. So I caught the playoffs until the Mavericks got eliminated um, with Luca hitting that dagger. Um, but, you know, the Eagles have been 
literally trash this year. Carson Wentz has been horrible, um, so really lost interest into that. But on the other hand, Aggie football has great potential this year, and I think the, the first uh, uh, college football ranking shows tonight, so I definitely want to see if we'll be in the top four because some people on Twitter think we can make it. So definitely looking forward towards some uh, Aggie football for sure. Yeah, I mean, being a Houston fan is pretty depressing right now too, even though Astros kind of surprised us a little bit. Um, but A&M football, dude, I did not expect us to be like where we are right now this year at the beginning, especially after <laughs> Vanderbilt and Bama. I was like, oh, this is just like every other season. But it's, you know, it's really cool. But I think Florida was kind of the turning point for us. And ever since then, I was so sad to see our games get canceled because we were on such a roll. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, definitely looking forward to the tail end of this year. And I think we can watch those games over break uh, in the peace of our houses back home. So I'm uh, definitely looking forward to uh, enjoying some Aggie football this this December. Um, but yeah, we're definitely going with high momentum into our COVID outbreak, um, which I guess is bittersweet because um, it's bitter in the sense that we don't play, you know, we can't continue that momentum, that streak upwards, but it's sweet. So our, our guys got two weeks off. Guys got two weeks to, you know, condition, maybe get some more um, study in and get some more, uh, you know, the drills in. Um, so definitely bittersweet. Uh, but I think Jimbo knows what he's doing, and I think he has all these mitigations in place to make sure we're successful. And hopefully um, the college football rankings will be in our favor in a couple hours tonight. We'll see. Even if they aren't, hopefully our next couple of games will show that we're worth it. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see because, like, obviously, like, I don't think Bama's going to lose to anyone. Um, Florida will probably have to play them, and then they'll lose. But, like, Clemson and Notre Dame is going to be interesting, especially, like, if Trevor Lawrence plays them, which he probably will. So that'll be a huge one. Yeah, we definitely need Clemson to lose to Notre Dame again in the ACC championship because there's no way a two-loss team will make the playoffs. And then we need to continue to win. And I think if that happens and Bama beats Florida, which I'm positive of, I think we'll go to the playoffs just to play Bama again. So <laughs> it'll be yeah. interesting. But still, even if we don't, I think it'd be cool to either play like OU or Texas. That would be awesome. I don't know if like it'll happen, but that's something also to look forward to. Yeah, if we go to the Cotton Bowl, we're predicted to play OU. So uh, it'll be interesting. Um, what about like, you know, I guess you're graduating fall 21, right? So even though this technically isn't your last year, this is your last like full year. So um, I guess what's your mindset heading into the new year, knowing that like, you're going to have to pretty soon be thinking of like big boy stuff. Yeah. So definitely, I guess the fundamental goal is to kind of prove myself this summer at city. So I get a return offer um, so that when I graduate, I can go work full time with them. And I think that that goes both ways because city needs to like me and I need to like city. Um, I didn't like, to be honest, I didn't like DRS. So I didn't really try hard to get a return offer there. Um, so I, Hopefully, I'm wishing that that's not the case at City, which it doesn't seem like. It seems like City has a good company culture, and it's obviously like 
one of the most prestigious companies that you can get a job with. So looking forward to that. Um, there's two other ways you can look at the school year academically and socially. Um, I hate to say it, but I think as we go into our senior year, academics isn't as important as our freshman year or our sophomore year. What, ex what matters more is like projects and experience, um, which is everything you do outside of your, you know, your classroom setting. Um, so while it's still important, I think you can really develop yourself and enjoy yourself in a comprehensive manner. Um, socially, I would love to meet new people, but also at senior year, you can only meet as many people as you've already met pretty much. Um, so I guess it's just furthering bonds with those that you've met. Um, and there's things like, I've always wanted to go to Chili Fest, haven't gone to a Chili Fest, and I don't think I will in April, to be honest. But definitely looking forward to that. Um, looking forward to hanging out with some of the Ace guys, um, hanging out with you and the other friends I've made um, outside of the classroom as well. Um, you, you know, you never get these times back. And I, I think getting that extra semester is more of a blessing than a curse because uh, in any way you look at it, thanks to the pandemic, um, it comes in a good way. If you have look at it through like professional development, well, as time goes on, the economy will only recover. Um, if you look at it through social lenses, well, you'll probably have an extra tailgate season, an extra football season, so you can look at it through that lens. Um, so I think right now it's a sweet spot to graduate in four and a half years. I know you're doing five, right? Since you're now co-oping and interning. So yeah, I guess uh, I'm, I'm doing interesting for you. five years, but it's still just like four and a half of classes. But um, hopefully like my intern or like my co-op is virtual, which I'm pretty sure it will be. So it'll be basically be like, I'm here for five. But I mean, I, I guess I kind of look at it the same way too of like, at this point, like I'm not going to meet as many people as I met freshman year and sophomore year. But um, I guess what's important, and I've, I've talked to TJ about this too, is like, this is going to be the last time we'll be surrounded by so many people um, within like 10 minutes of each other. Um, we're going to have a bunch of free time. I think once you go into the workforce, like you have 40 hours of your week already laid out, like how are you going to spend the rest of your time? Whereas college, like you have like maybe like 15, 16 hours of classes and, and then the rest of the time is up to you. Like, do you study? Do you meet up with people? Um, it'll definitely be interesting, but it's, I'm excited to like further my relationships with people too. I think that's actually kind of why I started my podcast, honestly. Yeah, that's good. Definitely a good motive on your side to uh, start, you know, having these recorded conversations with all your friends. But yeah, now that I think about it, like if you were in College Station, you'd be like a four minute drive from where I live. Um, so definitely a nice part of being in a college town is that we're all within a, a small vicinity of each other. But yeah, to be honest, it's uh, it's weird to see, you know, us grow from being like fish camp counselors and members in the flow to like studying until Tuesday in the morning with Zachary for some sort of stupid exam to now like, you know, TJ has a full-time offer. You are probably going to get a full-time offer with one of the companies you're doing co-ops and interns with. Hopefully I'll be able to land something with city knock on wood. Um, so it's just, it's just crazy to see all of us grow. Yep. It definitely is bittersweet, but we like you still have a year. I still have a year and a half. We don't, we don't have as much to worry about as someone graduating this fall. Absolutely, but uh, if you look at the social scene, man, I mean, you and I are both done with fish camp. I mean, you've done all three years in fish camp, so uh, 
I think we're socially drained a little bit. We're just old. I guess the way to say it in the Aggie terms is we're just old. We are so old. Um, this is kind of a fun question, but I know everyone, or I feel like everyone I talk to who like does coding has like coding music. So like, what do you listen to when you're like in the zone? Is it like EDM? Is it is piano music? Yeah. So I, I, I don't listen to neither of those actually. Um, I just listen to, <laughs> it's weird that I say it. I probably listen to rap caviar. Um, when I code, but I've actually started listening to lo-fi a lot, like those YouTube streams, um, just because I think they're a little less distracting um, because they don't have lyrics. But usually I just listen to Rap Caviar or like the top 50 in America playlists on Spotify. But other than that, there's really no no particular coding music that gets me in like the groove or anything like that. What do you think your end of the year like Spotify Wrapped is going to be like? Like your top five like songs and your top five artists. See if you can like predict it right now. <laughs> I uh, honestly don't think I can, man. I don't pay attention to uh, like the artists and stuff. It just plays and just goes in the background. To be honest, I guess that's bad of me, but I don't really pay attention to who I'm listening to or what song I'm listening to. As long as it keeps me hyped up, it does the job. I'm completely fine. Very simple-minded. Like, in terms of that, I'm super, like, if I have a song, like, that helps me concentrate, that's on repeat all the time. So, like, I kind of already know what mine's going to look like just because I can't deal with, like, the constant changing of songs. Otherwise, I get distracted of what's coming next. Or, like, am I going to know the lyrics to this one? I just, like, exhaust one song, like, over and over again. I definitely had those, dude. Uh, oh, man, I forgot the song by Bad Baby that I've just been playing back and on, uh, back and forth. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely have those times where one song is just stuck on repeat on Spotify. Um, but there's no I, – I think I'm a bad listener. I guess I should have greater appreciation of rap. That's all right. You got, you got your whole lifetime to appreciate <laughs> Uh, appreciate music. I hope you get into EDM one day. EDM is is really good. I, I promise you, it's worth it. Well, if I if I'm coding and I start listening to EDM, I guess I'll be doing more dance than code. So it might not be a good idea. Wait, you actually do you consider yourself a good dancer? No, absolutely not, dude. Absolutely not. I would love to see you dance. I don't think even I'm whenever sure you I would. If I ever like went over for like a tailgate, I don't think I've ever seen you dance. I feel like you're always just talking to somebody on the side, which not a problem with that, but I'm trying to see dancing Sumed. Well, I guess um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the next time we'll be at a tailgate together. It'll probably be next fall, so maybe next fall. We, we will see. Um, I found this question um, from like this other guy who does like a similar podcast thing. Uh, I thought it was a really good one. But if your identity was a pie chart, what would the categories be and what would the percentages be? Wow. Um, so I don't know. I think I'm really like, I think I'm more extroverted than I need to be. And I think I need to take a step back sometimes and really focus on myself. So I think I'd put extroverted on there, maybe give it a, a fat 20%. Uh, definitely persistent on there because I think I've failed more times in my life and gotten more bad grades than good grades. 
in my life. Uh, so persistent, we'll give that another 20%. Um, easy going would probably be like a 40%, dude. Um, I think, I don't think, I don't take things too seriously, which in retrospect isn't the best characteristic to have because as you, you know, you're growing up, there are some things you need to take seriously. But the small things just blow by and I don't think it's worth the time of day to give them attention. Um, so 40%. Last 20%. Wow. Uh, this is a thinker. Um, I'll go with, uh, I think I'll go with friendly and jovial. We can both clump those two adjectives together. Um, much like you, I guess, I'm just not afraid to talk to new people and ask them questions and really get to know them better because I think in the long run, um, it's what's more valuable is the relationships you make in college than anything else. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this, but last year, like around this time in December, um, like I was in Zachary late night, like you were in Zachary late night, and then there was this other guy, his name's Wasik. Um, you guys are both from Frisco. He graduated last fall, um, but we were all sitting at the, I think it was the second floor of Zachary, and I like introduced y'all to, and then I went in to talk to somebody else, and when I came back, y'all were like, vibing with each other so i thought that was really cool to see i don't know if you remember that though <laughs> i do i do remember where i think he's at accenture now right i remember that yeah it was the second floor of zachary he was sitting on those like red couch things um yeah just i mean you can't be afraid to meet new people and say hi so definitely something i'm proud of myself about the easygoing part too i don't think i think sumed's probably one of the easiest most easygoing people i know i feel like it's just not even that he just doesn't care. I think it's just like, it's just like it doesn't bother him. Like, I overthink a lot of little things, but like with Sumed, you could say something to him. And he was like, yeah, you're probably right. Or I don't think so. And just leave it like that. <laughs> so I've actually like always envied like your ability to just not just come off as easygoing, but like that's really who you are. Like you don't let little things distract you or you take too much offense, which is a great trait to have. Yeah, I don't want to come off and seem like unanalytical or anything like that. I mean, uh, definitely have to put some magnitude into your thoughts. But when it comes to like silly things like, oh, this guy spilled a coffee on me or something like that, just don't worry about it. I like it. Um, I guess two more questions really quick. But if you could go back and tell your freshman year self, like freshman year in college self something and – Let's make it not engineering. Let's just say like anything but engineering. What would it be? Um, I think it would be to be more personal in your relationships. I think I have a lot of surface level relationships. Um, and people that I, you know, I knew for a couple of weeks or months that follow me on Instagram, and that's about the length of our relationships. Um, definitely need to find your group of people. And I think... You clearly have them because you like interviewing them for an hour and a half every week. Um, but really building more personal relationships as opposed to surface level is uh, something I tell them. Uh, did you just feel like freshman year, you especially, was more just like meet as many people as possible? Yeah. So freshman year, I was fortunate enough to be in Flash and I met around 130 people in Flash who... Um, I've had the opportunity to like hang out with and do, you know, your typical flow stuff. Um, but really none of those people were anything 
or most of those people were nothing more than surface level because you know them for nine months of your life and then they're out of it um, and everyone goes and does their own thing so um, I think I met a significant quantity of people freshman year but most of those people um, I haven't seen after May um, obviously there's people that you go on to be staff with that you spend another 12 months with and you can start forming those really close bonds there um, but Freshman year, I guess it was very surface level, um, and um, I think Flash does a good job in trying to make deep, uh, you know, deep relationships. But I think you also, as a member of a flow, need to do your part, and that's something I think I lacked on. Do you think it honestly was like fish camp? Maybe I know, like your first year fish camp was really good camp. You feel like that experience taught you that like you need to have those close people. Yeah, actually, that's a great point. I mean, I lived with one of the guys in Massa, which was my first year of fish camp. Um, you know, I know TJ from um, Masso. Let's see. I know Connor McGillan from Masso. Um, so definitely, I think Masso was the situation in which I've made more personal relationships. And that also has to go with the quantity of people in fish camp. There's not 90 people in a fish camp. There's 26, 24 counselors and two chairs. Um and so you can spend more time per person in a fish camp. And I also think fish camp is built to grow personal relationships. I mean, I'm sure you have a more analytical point of view from this because you were a chair. But fish camp, you have adventure buddies, lunch buddies, and then you're literally forced into a fake marriage with your partner. Um, and so I think the establishment of fish camp does a better job. I completely agree. And even like as big as Fish Camp, is, the organization is, I feel like it still does a good job of making it feel like pretty personalized. It all depends on like who's in your camp. But at the end of the day, like usually there's like good people in every camp. Or I, I like to think that at least. But your, uh, your final question is not really even a question. But if you could tell your future self something, your future self could be you know, a year from now, a couple of weeks from now, 10 years from now. Um, but just what would you tell them or what would you say to them? Yeah. I, one thing I'd say is don't forget where you came from. Don't forget the struggles you had in college and the feeling you had once they paid off, because um, you're going to remember to be grateful for everything you've had in college. I mean, I'm grateful to be studying at AM for the type of school it is. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm grateful to have the relationships I built at AM. And so just not to forget the foundation you laid at AM, the foundation you will lay at your first job or your second job and the people you meet there and the, and the friends you make uh, and the colleagues you meet. Um, to definitely don't forget your past experiences, whether they were good, whether they were bad, because each of those experiences contains some sort of morality, contains some sort of uh, uh, lesson that you can take with you and kind of build yourself as a more comprehensive human being. I guess going back on that is, I mean, it just goes back to networking, I guess, and building those relationships. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk is one of the guys that I look up to a lot. I don't know if you know who he is, but um, he's like one of those YouTuber motivational speakers. Gary V. Capitalist. Yeah, capitalism type guy. And he said, Everything you do, you do for a return on investment. You study for an exam because the return on investment is going to be making a good grade. Um, you 
you know, you take a job because the return on investment is that you make some money so you can live. And he asked the question, what is return? What is the return on investment on life? Um, and the return and his answer, which I thought was a beautiful answer, was the relationships you make. Um, so definitely don't lose track of who you are. Don't lose track of the people you try to meet and the friends you've built, because at the end of the day, they'll have your back. But at the same time, you're supposed to have their back. Um, it works both ways. And so I'm really fortunate to have people like you um, and my, the other friends I made at AM to really help me become the person I am today, to have the experiences I am today, and to learn the lessons I have learned so far. Beautifully said, Sumed. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast. So, Sumed, appreciate you spending about an hour-ish of your uh, Tuesday before Thanksgiving with me. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving break. Yeah, the honor is all mine, Victor. Um, I'm happy to be your Thanksgiving special. Um, so it's something I'll hold close and dear in my heart. Very nice. Um, and to everybody else, I will see you guys on our next one. Bye.